All right, welcome. We finally here. Episode one of the Martinez Premium Podcast. You know, I've been uh, procrastinating this a bit too long, but uh, it's finally time. All right, so uh, first off, I want to talk about uh, the next-gen consoles, and more specifically, how fucking hard it is to get them. Uh, I remember when it first dropped, you know, obviously I wasn't going to get it. I wasn't really planning on it. But, you know, it, it went into, like, December, January-ish, and I was like, all right, I think it might be time to get it. At my job, they made it so that uh, you can buy them in store. They technically weren't following the rules, and they're not allowed to do this. But, hey, at the time, it was an advantage for me. Basically, they were just supposed to have it where uh, you pre-order it, and then they'll give it to you and stuff. But they were selling it directly out of the store, which was, like, great for me. So I tried to, like, snag one multiple times, but they kept being sold out. I finally got a chance. Uh, I was able to get the uh, Xbox Series S. But that's the one without a disc tray, and it's only 4K, not 8K. So I'm like, of course I'm not fucking buying this. Uh, but I was like, all right, like the opportunity to be able to get the uh, Series X would like eventually show itself, but uh, it hasn't. Uh, I remember they eventually stopped doing the whole buy in store thing, and they're like, you know, by March or April, it'll be easy to get an Xbox Series X and everything. But here we are in April, and it's still literally fucking impossible. Like. I follow this dude on Twitter. It gives you all the alerts and everything. I've tried multiple times, but I'm never fucking quick enough. And it basically comes down to the bots. And it makes these bots make it so fucking impossible to like get these consoles that it's like you're just competing against the resellers at this point. And I just wish like Microsoft and I guess Sony as well because the PlayStation is also difficult to get. I wish these brands would like do more to like make it like easier for people to get like I know that they're making the sale and it's like that's supposed to be the end all deal but it's like these consoles produce so much for them like cost so much for them to make that they're not even like making profit so like how they make their profit is through like selling games and microtransactions and stuff so if they keep letting these like dipshit resellers keep fucking taking it like, they're not going to make any money. So it's like everybody overall is losing. The resellers are buying these consoles, and then nobody's buying it for resale because I'm not paying, like, six fifty or more for a console. It's, like, such bullshit. I'm only paying 500 because that's what they have it listed at, and I'm not paying any more. They, like, really need to work on this. I mean, I'm sure at some point, like, in 2022, I'll be able to buy one of these consoles. But I guess I basically have to declare that it's fucking impossible to get because, like, there's nothing else I can do. I'm tired of, like, having to just wait for this random dude on Twitter to be like, hey, Xboxes are available, just so then I can fucking panic rush there and not get one and then just, like, ruin my fucking day and make me, like, really angry. Like, it's just definitely not worth it. So, like, I'm not doing this anymore. I guess I'll just wait till 2022 to get these fucking consoles. But hopefully they do something about it. I don't know. So next, I'd like to talk about the UFC. More specifically about fights and how it's going to play out with the future. First off, I got to talk about Adesanya versus uh, Jan Blahovich. This was uh, definitely an experiment uh, moving uh, Adesanya up to the light heavyweight uh, weight division. I mean, it definitely didn't play out like they thought it would. Uh, I think Adesanya actually should have stayed at uh, 185 like he said he was. But whenever it got to fight week, he did get up to, uh, I believe it was like 200 to 203 pounds or something like that. Uh, which I actually feel like in some ways hurt him. 
I mean, obviously, uh, he was just simply outweighed and outsized by uh, Jan. But um, it really did seem to slow him down. His speed just wasn't there as much. His movement wasn't as effective. Uh, I think it did end up hurting him more overall. Um, also, I think that his size, like, really showed. I mean, you can't move people up and just expect them to win. This was definitely a necessary thing for the UFC to see, to have happen. Uh, it definitely changed my mind on stuff. I thought people were able to switch weight classes more fluidly and succeed, but after seeing how this fight played out, it, uh, it definitely changed my mind on it. I mean, I, I think it uh, gives more respect to someone like uh, a Conor McGregor who was able to pull it off, or a Henry Cejudo who was able to go into three separate weight classes and win the belt. Like, it really shows you, like, how difficult it actually is, and even with a prodigy like Adesanya, you know, you can't always have the success that you want. I think next with Adesanya, this definitely is going to force him to stay in the middleweight division. The question we have to answer now is, like, can someone actually compete with him? In my opinion, Robert Whitaker is hands down the only guy who I think can compete with Adesanya. And, I mean, we saw how that went last time. Now, obviously, if they refight again, it could play out completely different. You know, we just saw that Adesanya is clearly beatable. He's not just unbeatable, which I believed at the time, especially after seeing the Paulo Costa fight. I mean, he absolutely, like, humiliated him. And it made me go, like, I will never doubt this man. And in middleweight specifically, I still think I have yet to doubt this man. Um, they just had the fight between Vittori and Holland, uh, where Vittori won, and uh, they claim that he's the next uh, contender for Adesanya. Which, I mean, I guess is fair. He was the person who was the closest in the 185 weight division to uh, compete with Adesanya. But quite simply, I just think he can't do it. Um, he probably maybe could do it through wrestling, which is great. And you got to win the way that you want to win or the way that you know you can win. But uh, personally, I do think it's a bit boring. I mean, as much as I'd love to sit you fucking sit here and watch you wrestle a dude for 25 fucking minutes, like it's just, it doesn't really feel worth my time, at, you know, when you're watching it. I mean, I would even debate that like, Watching regular wrestling is like more entertaining than watching wrestling in MMA because wrestling in MMA just simply comes down to like they're just trying to hold you down, which yet again, respect and I understand the difficulty of it, but it's just as a fan, it's very boring to see, but the fighters got to do what they do. They can do to win. Um, I think they should have Whitaker who just beat Gaslam fight Vittori for the chance to fight Adesanya, but I assume they're going to want to get Adesanya and Vittori in the ring next. But it's like, what is Whitaker going to do for this time? I mean, there's, I don't know who they'd even put him up against at this point to compete with him. I mean, maybe a Darren Till. Uh, that's about it. I really don't think anybody can specifically compete with Adesanya or Whitaker in that uh, weight division. But you never know. Um, I think as well, uh, Whitaker, I think, would destroy Vittori. So that's why I'm very skeptical to even have Adesanya fight Vittori. I mean, it's very obvious that Whitaker is the top man. But I think with this whole middleweight division, if it comes down to that they do a rematch between uh, Vittori and Adesanya, and then Adesanya wins, and then they do a rematch between Adesanya and uh, Whitaker, and then yet again Adesanya wins, uh, it's going to put the middleweight division in a bit of a problem. 
because as we've seen, you know, it is going to be difficult for uh, Adesanya to move up. So if they want to keep him here in this middleweight division, I mean, someone's got to be able to beat him. And if they can, it's going to create a bit of a stalemate. Uh, it definitely will be impressive to just continuously see a guy hold a belt uh, very similar to uh, Usman. But I think uh, it tends to have like this, a similar effect to like whenever the Golden State Warriors kept winning the uh, championship in the NBA Finals every year or uh, the New England Patriots kept winning the Super Bowl every year. I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that those teams were very impressive. But as a fan eventually just hit the point where you're like, I know who's going to win. Like, why the fuck would I watch it? Like, I know who's going to win. And I think that sometimes happens with Usman. I mean, we'll have to see how this Masvidal match plays out, but I will be honest, I think Usman's going to win. I think Masvidal's great, but Usman has proven time and time again, don't quote me on this, but I think he's uh, defended the belt successfully seven times in a row. So it kind of just looks like he's a bit unbeatable. I don't really know where they go from here, but um, we'll definitely just see how that ha- that will play out. So next, I'd like to hop into uh, Poirier versus McGregor 3. Uh, this is definitely going to be a really big match for the UFC. Uh, a great trilogy to add to uh, Connor and Poirier's uh, career. But uh, overall, I mean, I can't help but just think, like, this rematch is, like, so soon. Like, they literally just fought at the end of January, and now they're going back at it in July. I understand that um, this is great for money. This is just a great overall experience for both of them. But it's like, you can't help but just think, you know, Poirier obviously should be going for the belt. I mean, I think the the easiest bout that should have been made, that was very clear, was it should have been Oliveira versus Poirier. I mean, they both just proven that, like, that's what the belt should have been, especially with uh, Habib leaving uh, the UFC and everything. I mean, I think this was, like, a very clear match to make. I did hear, though, that Poirier did decline it uh, because he did want this McGregor rematch, which is uh, great for him. This is a great uh, opportunity for them to make money, so I get that. Um, it definitely could go either way in this rematch. I mean, Connor, Connor, after rewatching that fight, I forgot about this. Connor did win the first round of that uh, the second fight between them. He did look really good in it. But uh, once Poirier started getting in those leg kicks, uh, got a couple of boxing combinations, and he clocked him, got him down. So you know, it definitely could go either way in the third match. Uh, I think. Connor even said this. He's working on the leg kicks. Um, he's definitely going to approach it completely differently in the third fight. This third fight will for sure play out completely different than the other two. You know that uh, it's just they know what to watch for. Both of them know what to watch for. Connor's definitely going to have to uh, make his stance a bit less wide. I think due to the fight with uh, Mayweather he had, you just see he was very... Uh, boxing based in that fight and that's not how Conor McGregor is he's he's a kickboxer and he just was not fighting that way the first time but um I believe he'll change that uh this is gonna be a great match but I can't help but think that I kind of wanted Poirier versus um Oliveira and then now you see how this is playing out we got uh Oliveira versus Michael Chandler um Michael Chandler did have the belt of Bellator uh, he was very impressive over in Bellator. Um, 
he easily can compete with everybody in the UFC. That's not anything to doubt. But obviously, you do have to bring into question, you know, he, he did only have one fight in the UFC versus a rank six uh, Daniel Hooker who was coming off of a loss. Now, it was still a great match, but um, he was already coming off of a loss. And then he goes and gets beat by Chandler. Chandler did dispose of him very quickly with great boxing. I was not expecting that. I was definitely expecting a lot more wrestling. But I mean, what? We have about three minutes of footage of Chandler in the entire UFC. Only one bout, and he's going for the belt. I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting match. Um, both of those guys will definitely make it very entertaining, and I have no clue which direction it will go. But I will say, I think to the masses, this is a very boring match. Um, it's just these guys are not really big names. This is more for, I guess, a UFC purist. Um, I personally think, though, that uh, Oliveira will win uh, through submission. I mean, this guy's been tearing everybody up. I mean, we've never seen uh, Tony Ferguson just get out grappled like he did. I mean, and with Tony Ferguson being so tough, you know, that was a very unexpected match that uh, Oliveira won. I guess now that I even think about it, I mean, Tony Ferguson even lost to uh, Gaethje before he fought Oliveira. So even in that match, both these guys are coming into the championship bout um, off of fighting a guy who nevertheless are impressive. They were coming off of losses, and that is something to say. Um, I think the bigger question will be then, uh, when these guys, whoever does get the belt, um, will they be able to defend it? You know, I believe an Oliveira might be able to for, I'd say two to three matches, but I think a Poirier might be able to take him out. Um, I think a Chandler could maybe even hold it for two to three matches, but I mean, you have this lightweight division that is the best division in the entire UFC. There's so many people putting their hand in the mix. Uh, it's going to be hard for anybody to be holding the belt. I mean, you know, Gaethje just lost to uh, Habib, but, you know, you could debate Gaethje is actually the best in that division, and he wasn't even really being brought up in conversation. It just kept coming down to Poirier, McGregor, uh, Oliveira, and Chandler, but I felt like that was very disrespectful to Gaethje. I mean, yeah, he definitely could, I think, beat everybody there. Uh, but they all could beat each other. They're all very impressive. This lightweight division is definitely going to be interesting to see. I'm excited to see how it plays out. But I only have one fear. Um, they seem to be really spacing these matches out sometime. And I hope we don't uh, really just waste this great era in the lightweight division by just not having enough matches played. I mean, even out of the top five guys that can win the belt, I mean, you still have a Tony Ferguson in the division you have Darush, you have all these guys upcoming. I mean, this division's just stacked. I hope they just continuously keep pumping out matches for the lightweight division because, I mean, there's so much potential here and there's so much potential for great matches to play out. So I just, I hope Dana keeps scheduling these matches. I hope they keep fighting and keep fighting. Um, I think a very interesting case is going to be uh, Conor McGregor. I mean, Ever since 2016, he really has just not been fighting that often. He really does seem on and off. It kind of feels like he's not really uh, all in on the sport at the moment. I mean, for sure, after losing to uh, Poirier in the second bout they had, he's going to be coming back and taking this next match very seriously. But let's say he wins, I mean, or even loses. Where does he go from there, and will he still have the drive? 
I mean, I guess it's going to be an interesting scenario, you know, if he does lose. You know, where does Conor McGregor even go from here? Like, my prediction would be, I feel like he might start just weeding himself out of the UFC, which it already seems like he has. Um, But he keeps getting those random, you know, late-night motivation spurs, and I think it just makes him want to come back. I mean, he's still in his physical prime, so why waste yourself? You know, he still has a couple years to fight, but it's just hard to see him continuing. He just really does seem one foot in, one foot out. And I really want him to get locked in because, I mean, we know the greatness he can do. And he's already a Hall of Famer, but, I mean, why can't he have another great run? You know, he had that great run, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, where he's beaten all these guys, building up all this hype. You know, why can't that happen again? You know, is it the success? Does succeeding that much really hold you back in the long term? Because, you know, you have to consistently try to prove to yourself of why do I continue? Why do I keep doing this? I don't know. We're definitely going to have to see how it plays out, but it's going to be interesting. All right, so next, I want to get into boxing. Um, recently, I've been watching a bit more boxing. You know, the classics of, like, Mike Tyson, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., uh, Oscar De La Hoya, all of the greats. You know, there's many more. There's definitely a lot of footage I'm going to have to watch. But, um... I was watching some the preliminaries. I don't know who the main card was. I'm not that serious into boxing, but the preliminaries of the uh, match last week. And uh, I can't help but just think when I watch boxing, there's so much clinching, and it just it really bothers me. You got to understand, you know, I'm not a boxing purist, and I really don't know a whole lot about this situation or why this happens. But I know it's uh, one of the reasons I've heard was that they clinch a lot because they're trying to, whenever you put your weight on a guy's shoulders and you keep doing that a lot, it starts to wear him down. And I get that. But I was watching this one bout on the preliminaries the other day. And uh, I'm not joking when I say this. The two guys in the fight, and it was only like a lightweight bout. These guys were only like, I don't know, 145 pounds. It's not like it was heavyweight. These guys managed for the entire sixth round. They both clinched the entire round. Like, the, the ref continuously had to keep spreading these men, up, like, apart. And I just couldn't help but think, like, how does this keep happening? Or why do they not take away points or do something to stop these guys from doing this? Because they literally, like, the entire round, they clinched. The entire round was them clinching, the ref separating them, and them, them clinching again. It's like, I don't understand why people want to watch this bullshit. Like, I can't stand it. It really, like, makes me not want to watch boxing at times. Um, as well, another big problem I've noticed with boxing, but I've heard uh, Chael Sonnen and many other people talk about this. These boxing matches are just too damn long. Like... In the UFC, you know, I think 25 minutes is perfect as the longest a fight can be. I don't want to watch a fight for more than 25 minutes. These boxing matches be going into like 12 rounds, like 5 minutes each. Like who the fuck is seriously sitting here watching these people fight for like an hour 10? I don't know. I'm doing the math like on the spot. But it's like this shit is so boring. And I know it's very technical. So the purists of this sport love it which is great, but it's like, even whenever you're a purist of a sport like this, you know, you kind of got to think, I mean, 
you know, whenever these matches are so long that it almost comes down to these guys just have to, like, clinch because they're so fucking exhausted. And they've hit the point where they're so exhausted they don't even have knockout power anymore. It's just turning into, like, a points match. It's like, why can't we make this just, you know, six rounds? I know they do this... um, on the preliminaries or, you know, the less important matches, but I think they need to do this even on the bigger matches. I mean, I don't care if you put fucking Canelo in there or Ryan Garcia, as much as they are the top uh, fighters in the sport and they bring a lot of attraction, I still don't want to watch these guys for an hour 10 fucking fight. Like, you could I don't even want to pay for that shit. I don't understand how people sit through this stuff. Like, I think boxing, like, uh, maybe needs revamped more and more modernized, but in certain ways, you know, the sport has been corrupt in many ways for years. Uh, it's debatable that a lot of these guys are cheating. Um, do with that what you will. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, if everybody's cheating in a way it is kind of even again, but, um, I think it just, it really hurts the sport in my opinion, coming from someone who's not a boxing purist. As well, another complaint that I've had with boxing, and this is just because of MMA and uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing and stuff like that. I think it just comes down to, like, when I watch boxing, it feels too simple. Now, with that being said, this, that does not take away from the skill or greatness that the great boxers uh, have and are and, you know, have been through the years. I mean, these guys are great and they are taking just, you know, the things such as an uppercut, you know, uh, body shots, straights, jabs, and hooks, and they're turning it into just, they're very skilled in all of these categories. But it's just like, you know, it's very simple and it allows the sport, I guess, to have moments like uh, a Jake Paul and Ben Askren where, you know, you can just have almost, you know, a guy who in MMA would completely kick Jake Paul's ass. Like, he would have no chance whatsoever. But you put him in a boxing ring, and it makes it a bit more interesting. I will say, it does spice it up, you know. It, it does uh, take, you know, a more advanced fighter and a more common man to have more of a middle ground and have more of a competition. So I get that need for it, um, but overall... Uh, the sport I do think maybe needs revamped in certain ways. I mean, it's been like this probably since like, what, 1908. The sport's been around longer than like my grandparents. The sport's been around forever. So yeah. Um, I want to hop into specifically the, uh, Jake Paul Ben Askren fight, which for me happened last night. Um, I really don't know what to think of it. Um, I guess congratulations to, uh, Jake Paul. Um, I wanted Ben Askren to win, of course, as a MMA fan and stuff. Um, but with that being said, I guess he won. I will say uh, he clocked him for sure. He really hit him with a haymaker. But, you know, when you when you look at Ben Askren, I mean, you know, he was saying he was good. I kind of think that fight really could have kept going. And with the money that these people spent on this fight, I mean, you got to understand, as much as they do have to, you know, uh, respect the rules of the sport and respect the referee. You know, this is literally a celebrity boxing match. This is not a top-ranked boxing match. This is not uh, Wilder versus Fury. You know, this isn't a um, fight that has literal belt implications on it. Now, there is a lot of money implications on this fight, but it still is a celebrity boxing match. And I just, you know, 
I'm so glad I did not pay for that fight, and I see why everybody was pissed. I mean, you barely even had a fight. You know, people watching all these concerts and performances and all the preliminaries and stuff, you know, only wanting to watch the Ben Askren versus Jake Paul fight just for it to end like that. Um, Definitely the promoters can spin this match and, you know, set up a great big rematch. And that's kind of what I was thinking instantly after I saw how it ended. But um, it really just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I don't know. It's just like Jake Paul won, but it just didn't feel like he won, you know. And even to him, I mean, I feel like he has to be a bit conflicted as well. Because if I was him, you know, and I won that easy, I'd almost just be like, well, damn. Like... (laughs) What the fuck was I training for if, you know, it just would end like this? Um, He's definitely happy. He's definitely going to continuously flex this forever. And I'm sure all of the UFC fighters are going to disrespect him. Um, With an ending so abruptly and so early in a fight, you're obviously going to hear allegations of Ben Askren lost on purpose. And, you know, I guess it comes down to we'll never really know. Uh, that's definitely between Jake Paul and Ben Askren and whoever the promoters were and everything. Uh, from this point on, I have to just believe it was a legit fight that personally I'm going to just have to disagree with the ref and, um, I would want that fight to go on longer. I mean, uh, it definitely boosted my opinion of Jake Paul, uh, in the aspect of, uh, that would have been a really good fight if it kept going. You know, if Ben Askren got up and, you know, it would have forced Ben Askren to show the competitor in him and the heart in him, you know, being down. You know, that definitely would have instantly get, gave Jake Paul round one for sure. So, uh, I don't know. I, I just believe that a rematch is probably going to come from this. But the promoters are going to have a tough time reselling this. And in certain ways, this fight will benefit Jake Paul. But in certain ways, this fight will definitely hurt him in the terms of, like, I think it's it just, you know, it's hard to think that there wasn't almost corruption going on with just how weird that fight was. Another thing with it, that this has nothing to do with the fight itself, but um, that fight was supposed to start at like 11 p.m. Eastern time, and that fight didn't happen to like fucking, like what, midnight to like 12.30? Like, in my opinion, like Triller needed to like figure out the times more. As much as I know they probably paid a lot of money to get like Justin Bieber... And uh, I don't remember who the other performer was, uh, Doja Cat, to perform. It's just like, yet again, at the end of the day, this is a fucking boxing match. Like, I didn't come here to see a fucking concert. I came here to see a boxing match. Um, I think them having Pete Davidson, Jack Harlow there were uh, some great additions. But I will say, well, I guess, you know, they are trying to appeal to the younger generation, So that was definitely a great choice. But I would assume that a lot of older people, and I don't even mean that old, but literally like people who are 24 and over, um, probably thought it was a bit weird. Like, as the match is starting, like, you hear like Pete Davidson just talking about like dick or something. And I'm like, dude, I cannot believe that like Triller was just okay with that. But that's what you get whenever you got Pete Davidson. I mean... You know, that dude is a walking meme, but he's for sure very entertaining. I liked his interviews uh, before the fight, but it's like, I'm shocked that Triller even let him say what he said. I mean, he took it almost as professionally unprofessional as he could have, but I'm sure he got a great payday. Everybody involved in that situation got a great payday. Um, I guess another thing hopping into boxing, a topic I want to talk about, I literally 
don't know how boxing generates so much money. And what I mean by that is like John Jones, I saw the stat line where it said, you know, John Jones over his entire fight career has made $7.7 million. And it was saying how uh, Anthony Joshua has made $105 million or something like that. Um, I really just don't know how boxing brings in so much money. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not everybody. So, you know, maybe overall throughout the world, boxing is still the dominant fighting sport. But to me, it's just very obvious that the UFC will eventually take off in the future and be the dominant um, sport over the world. I guess MMA more specifically. But um, it might have to do with the contracts, I guess. You know, obviously you sign a multiple fight contract when you're in the UFC. I guess maybe in boxing, you know, you sign it fight by fight because they have so many stipulations and very specific things that uh, boxers have more that they can uh, impact with how a fight goes, you know, the venue that it takes place, um, the material that the boxing gloves are made out of, you know, the boxers as a whole have more sway in the negotiating process than uh, MMA fighters do, but I just can't help but think, like, I feel like MMA is just generating more money. I mean, it definitely maybe comes down to the pandemic being in play. It definitely comes down to... Uh, the UFC just having more fighters overall in their roster. I don't know the overall number, but I heard it's in the 550s of fighters through all the weight divisions, which was, when I first got into the UFC, was way more fighters than I thought they had. And they're only expanding from here. If you watch the Dana White Contender Series and everything like that, you see they're on, like, they do, you know, 10 episodes, and then they're adding, like, three or four people per episode to the UFC. So, and then plus just random people that they're signing from all the smaller promotions. I mean, the UFC owns LFA. They're able to pull people from other various uh, regional uh, tournaments and stuff like that. So they're just pulling a lot of people in, and I guess maybe that's taken away from the money. Uh, we'll definitely have to see how this goes in the future. I'm sure in the future these MMA fighters will be ma- making way more money. But I guess it's just going to be a time thing. I mean, overall, MMA is a fairly new sport. You know, it's not even 30 years old yet, so we still have a lot of time for this sport to grow. And I think it only gets bigger from here. Okay, so I'm just pulling a different random topic. This ain't even about fighting. I just, I got to throw some uh, other various things in here. I can't be talking about fighting all the time. Uh... The random topic I decided to choose for this week is uh, parents that just uh, keep putting technology in their kid's face. Um, I think your kid's going to turn out to be socially retarded. And uh, I think as a parent, you're a moron if you consistently just keep shoving like an iPad or iPhone in their face every time they're crying or every time you just don't feel like uh, dealing with them. I think you're just like a complete dog shit parent. I remember when I was younger... I really wanted a cell phone. I always wanted a cell phone. I thought they were so cool. I don't even think it was the fact of like actually using it. I think I just like wanted to hold it up to my ear and just act like, you know, my parents or whatever. But I remember my mom would never let me get one for the longest time and it would always make me mad. And I understand as a kid, like you just want it your way. You know, you're an asshole as a little kid. You just expect everything basically. Uh, And that's just how it is. But it's like, Getting older now, I understand, like, you just can't feed into everything your kid wants, you know? You can't just give them everything they want. They want. 
Now, with that being said, I'm not saying you can't let your kid, you know, use, use your phone on occasion. You know, let them watch some Netflix. Maybe let them play some games. You know, they need to be entertained on occasion. You can't just, you know, never let them use this great technology that we have. But it's just like, I'll see these people, like, just, like, anytime their kid shows any emotion, you know, he's crying, he's just whining, they just shove an iPad in his face. And they just, like, expect that to, like, solve the problem, which, you know temporarily it does for sure that kid stops crying and he just like i don't know picks his nose and like itches his ass while he watches like zootopia or like some random shit but it's just like let that kid like go out and play i even see in like public like it, like at a park like people letting their kid do this and it's like just let him like socialize with like other kids and shit i remember when i was younger before i like i got like social anxiety and stuff like i would just talk to like random kids like i would just go up and like have fun like for an hour just playing at like a playground with like random kids and like i hold those like memories like like i give them a lot of value now you know like i think it was like really cool that you know any kid would just play with any kid you didn't care about anything about them you know, you just were like, hey, this kid wants to have fun. Let's, like, play tag or some shit. But now it's like, yeah, I'll literally see a kid on a bench just, like, watching an iPad. And it's like, these parents in, like, five or six years from now, they don't know it. They don't notice it yet. And they don't know the consequences of this set yet. Your kid's going to be, like, literally socially retarded. Like, anytime he has to interact with anyone in school, he's just going to, like, it's going to be awful. He's just not going to do it. You're just creating kids that are just going to be, like, mute. And I think it also just kind of encourages your kid from, like, a young age to just not have their own opinions. I mean, even being an adult you know, with all the media that we have in the world, I sometimes feel, you know, myself being swayed and stuff and not even giving stuff as much thought as I should sometimes, you know, you just hear what someone says and just take it, uh, and just go with it. But it's like, if you start to get your kid in a bad, uh, groove whenever they're younger like that, and you just have them start like taking all the information in and not even thinking about stuff from their point of view, you're just going to have a mouth breather. Like, these are going to be the type of kids that whenever VR gets good enough, they're just going to wear their VR all day in their room and just put their fucking Amazon feeding tube in their mouth and their catheter in and just never leave their room and literally just be nothing. And I know, like, they'll probably just get criticized and get called a piece of shit or whatever, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not even their fault. I mean, it's just their parents being so dog shit and setting them up for failure, and then their kids are going to have to reap the uh, consequences of that, you know, by not being able to socialize whatsoever and just, in general, not wanting to go outside. I mean, this technology is great and everything, but it's definitely within moderation. And like I said, you know, being being a new adult myself, you know, I feel the effects of this stuff myself, you know, I feel it affecting me every day. So it's like, if it's influencing me and being difficult for me to sometimes always, you know, get, get away from my phone, get away from the TV, stuff like that. I mean, I can't imagine what it's doing to these kids. I mean, I just, I can't help but think that it's just like in the future, it's really going to be like weird. Like I I just, I don't know how these kids are going to turn out. And I understand that, you know, people don't like being criticized for their parenting or whatever, but I think it's a very toxic mentality to have to just think that, like, fuck you, my child's fine. And it's, like, thinking, like, these parents, like, actually have, like, the audacity 
to think that like their parenting style is perfect. It's like, I know when I'm a parent, I'm going to be like shit at times and I'm going to need someone to like give me some like constructive criticism and help. I really, if I'm ever a parent one day, want to be like open to this and be like open to like being a better parent and understanding that I'm not perfect. But it's like, you know, they always say that like kids from my generation, Gen Z are very entitled and stuff like that. But it's like when I see these parents, you know, these like people who are like in their 30s, 40s, whatever, like they seem like very fucking entitled. Like, I think it's like very hypocritical, like the way that we always get criticized by these older generations. But it's like it's kind of ironic that like they're basically doing the same shit that we're doing. And it's not even a scenario of, like, it would be very obvious that it's, like, if baby boomers were born in today's modern era, they would be exactly like my generation, whether they want to fight it or not. But it's kind of just, like, truly ironic that it's, like, it's not even a situation like that. Like, they are from a different generation, and they're criticizing my generation about our technology and how it's affecting us, but I'm literally witnessing it happen to them as well, you know? And it's like they give a shit about, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram or whatever. But it's like you're doing the same exact bullshit on your stupid ass Facebook. You're doing the same exact shit. I remember when my brother was in high school around 2012 or whatever. uh, The big thing for him was uh, Twitter. All of his friends had Twitter. And I mean, obviously, Twitter is still big now. But specifically at the time, that was like the big app. And people were given like my brother shit for like you know, tweeting out dumb shit, which I agree. It's like, nobody gives a fuck about your random daily thoughts. Like, I could care fucking less that you, like, ate a burrito or some shit. Like, I agree with these people that, like, this shit is meaningless, and, like, I don't give a fuck that you tweeted this pointless stuff. But at the same time, it's like, like, them fucking going on their Facebook and just being like, great day with the kids. Like, we don't give a fuck. We don't live with you. Like, yes, we may know you, but it's like, I don't give a fuck what you did with your day. Like, you literally could have done anything with your day. I don't give a fuck. So it's like, I don't understand how they, like, they say, like, oh, these kids tweeting out whatever and being like, I don't care. But it's like, when you fucking put up your stupid-ass Facebook posts, like, we equally don't give a fuck. Like, so it's just, like, it's completely, like, a dumbass argument. And I hate that people do it this way. All right, lastly, I just got to do this because, you know, I'm going to be listening to this in the future, I know for sure. So uh, I got to add some insight on me. Today, I thought I was going to get fired from work. Now, I knew this was already going to happen for a couple of days. Basically, I got the flu and I had to miss three days of work. And and I was like, I'm not going to work. Like, I felt absolutely awful. I was like, like, why would like, I don't love the job enough to like drag myself in there whenever I'm bedridden with the flu. Also, too with my job, I deal with food. So it's like, you're not supposed to go into work whenever you're sick. It literally says that. But I knew that whenever I caught off these three days in a row, I knew that like when I went back to work, they were going to say some shit about it. And honestly, like I was already mentally prepared to get fired and everything. And I didn't even plan on like arguing it. Like I kind of just wanted to accept it. But uh, when I went, I first went back into work, they didn't say anything about it a few days ago. And then I had uh, three days off. And then uh, today I went back into work after those three days off and uh, I saw my manager and she went, you know, go to the office or something. I had my headphones in, so I didn't exactly hear what she said, but I knew what was going to happen. I was ready for it. I'm like, she's going to fire me. So be it. And uh, we went back there, whatever. And she was talking about, and I was like, yeah, like I had the flu. Like, what do you want me to do or whatever? And she's like, 
you know, we're going to have to take off points or whatever. And I'm like, go for it. And I was like, for sure, expecting to get fired. And then this was definitely the moment where I realized, like, I'm definitely going to have to quit within the next couple of days. Like, I definitely have to quit. She told me I was waiting for it. She's going to be like, you're fired or whatever. I was ready to just like take off my vest and give it to her and everything. And then she told me, all right, uh, you're good for now, uh, but you can't, you know, have any more days off. So you're one point away from getting fired. And honestly, it actually just like bummed me out. Like, I, I kind of wish she fired me. Like, I was like, like you keeping me hired actually like really disappointed me. Like, I can't believe it, but it's like, yeah, like I was just, I wanted to be fired. And like, I could tell because right after she said that I wasn't, I kind of just got this wave of like, God damn it. You know, I mean, oh yeah, I forgot. Why did I not say this? Yeah, I work at Walmart. I mean, it's definitely not a fucking uh, career job or it's not that fun, but you know, I have to make money for the apartment or whatever. So it's, it's fine for the time being, but I definitely have to move on. Um, I mean, I guess it's just definitely like a necessary learning moment. I mean, I got to learn uh, retail and how people act. Uh, More specifically, I get to see all the fantastic people that come into Walmart. I mean, you know, I'm not a I'm not a great person either, but, you know, I just, like, cannot believe, like, the rednecks and, like, dipshits that I've seen. Like, the classic, like, you know, you walk into high school homeroom, and they're wearing fucking cookie monster pants and, like, a fucking polo sweatshirt, and they wear the same exact fit every day. Like, those type of people. Um, I mean, it's definitely disrespectful, but, you know, I can't help but think in my head when I see some of these people, like, I can't believe you actually fucking, like put that outfit on and went, I'm going to walk in public. Like, it's just, I cannot believe the shit people will wear in public. And it's like, it's not even, it's like, I understand you, you don't have to give a fuck what people think, but it's like, how do you think about yourself? Like, if you're okay with wearing the fucking cookie monster pants, I mean, you clearly have no fucking self-respect. I mean, when I put on a fresh fit, you know, it gives me a bit of confidence. It adds a little bit of strut into your step. But these people, like, really walking into Walmart with, like, the most god-awful fits. Like, it literally looks like they robbed a Goodwill and took, like, like literally three separate pieces and went, yep, this is good. I don't get it. So anyways, for the future, hopefully even whenever I make the next podcast, uh, I won't be working at Walmart. Um... Luckily for me, you know, due to these COVID times, I got blessed with a stimulus check. And uh, that gives me the opportunity to, quite honestly, I can just quit and just simply afford to just not have a job even for a short period of time, which I'm very happy about. But it's like, you know, every time I make some random like dumb purchase in the day, I kind of feel the need to, you know at least work that day so I can make that money back or whatever. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Anyways, thank you for listening. Episode one of the Martinez Premium Podcast. I know this shit's going to get way better over the years, but uh, episode one had to start somewhere, so why not tonight? All right, peace.